and welcome to episode 197 of the Redbox Report, the weekly movie podcast where we review the latest Blu-rays and DVD releases for Redbox. I'm your host, Bob Phelan. And I'm your host, Joel Phelan. And on this episode, we're going to take a look at the Best Picture winner, Moonlight, fresh off its win at the Oscars a few weeks ago, as well as our top five Best Picture winners. But first, before we get to that... We have our special selection show for the March Movie Madness bracket that I, I did put out online to on Sunday, you know, to coincide with the real March Madness selection Sunday. And we this year uh, we have the ability to have people make their predictions and get points if they're right, and have a standings, and we'll have a winner and all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, the, the March Movie Madness we did last year for the first time right before our hiatus. And it was a ton of fun. Thought it turned out really well. So we're doing yeah, it again. Out of ball, person. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's kind of fun, even though it's not scientific. We, we don't even know who's going to win some of these games. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I thought it was cool. Wish I would have known that last year. But there's a setting you can put on to uh, have people predict, and I even made my predictions. I mean, I won't count them towards like. The prize I want to reward the winner with, which I think, I think would be cool if we let the winner pick and give us a movie they want us to review from you know any year, any kind of movie whatsoever. Yeah, their favorite movie or whatever. If they want to punish us, you know, whatever up their wish, our command. Don't, don't give them ideas. <laughs> yeah, good, good call, good call. But uh, yeah, so I'll put the link uh, to challenge.com, which is where. It is uh, being held in the show notes, and you can, if you haven't already, click over there, make your predictions, and if you know us, that might give you a leg up, or it might not. I remember last year there was a lot more uh, ties, which goes to the coin flip, which is pure random luck. But that's what makes it fun. Yeah, we're going to have to get a dollar coin, <laughs> or a half dollar or something. <laughs> yeah, or get like a legit like Super Bowl flipper. Whatever they use in the big game. <laughs> but uh, let's reveal these brackets. I, this year, I did it in by region. Each region has their, its own little theme, which isn't, you know, completely lived up to with every pick. But the selection committee, which is me, myself, and I, we tried our best. We tried our best. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, let's go with the first region which is comedy slash musical slash light is all these movies are on the lighter side of the tonal spectrum and the number one seed in that region is la la land fresh off it's the disappointing night at the oscars <laughs> facing 16 seed assassin's creed eight seed magnificent seven faces off against nine seed swiss army man Five seed Hidden Figures faces 12 seed The Finest Hours. Let's cut back to Boston, Massachusetts area where they're going crazy. They were on the bubble. They were one of the last four teams in. But here <laughs> they are, last one, the at-large bid. Number four, Zootopia against number 13 seed Sausage Party. A little animated throwdown there. Six seed Hal Caesar against 11 seed Sing Street. 
three seed Everybody Wants Some against 14 seed Jason Bourne. Seven seed Edge of 17, The Edge of 17 against 10 seed Kubo and the Two Strings. And the two seed in the comedy musical region is The Nice Guys going up against 15 seeded pop star Never Stop, Never Stopping. Very, very strong number two. Yes, that's a pretty uh, pretty good region there. A lot of a lot of films I see uh, with that have possibilities of making the final four. I think Hail Caesar's wondering why they were so low, but you know, yeah, it happens. You can't please everyone. So let's move on to the blockbuster region of the bracket. If you're into the big movies, the uh, Hollywood. <laughs> Blockbusters? That's what they're <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, This region is for you. It wasn't the strongest year for Blockbusters in 2016, but one of these movies is making the Final Four. Number one seed in this region is Rogue One, a Star Wars story, against 16 seed Suicide Squad. Wow, Eight. <laughs> 16 seed? Yeah. Peter Berg's got a... <laughs> All right, this next matchup is between two Peter Berg movies. The 8-seed Deepwater Horizon against 9-seed Patriot's Day. Both Mark Wahlberg, both Peter Berg. Which one will will be advancing? We will find out in a couple weeks on episode 200. Pretty mediocre. <laughs> yep, that's what the 8 or 9 seeds are for. All righty. <laughs> number 5-seed The Shallows against number 12 Star Trek Beyond. Now that's there's always a 12 seed that beats a 5 seed. Uh, that could be one to put on your radar. A little underseeded Star Trek came in there, but moving on to the 4 seed Moana, which we'll touch on in the next episode against number 13 seed Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. The 6 seed in the blockbuster region is The Jungle Book against fellow Disney-owned animated film 11-seeded Finding Dory. Mm. Number three seed, Doctor Strange, which we will be reviewing on the next episode, against 14-seed Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Out of the Shadows. Now, <laughs> this the selection committee really shit on this movie at the 7-seed. A lot <laughs> of people probably would have had it way higher, but Deadpool gets the 7-seed against another... Familiar Fox title, the 10 seed X Men Apocalypse. So it's two X Men franchise films going off in the first round. And lastly, two seed Captain America Civil War faces off against Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Place your bets. Let's move to the other side of the bracket. This is an interesting theme. (laughs) I feel like. Going forward in the future, I can see it how we'll probably have a blockbuster region every year. We'll probably have the comedy musical lighter stuff in one. Uh, I'll give away a future. The the fourth one is drama slash horror, more like the deep or heavy, heavier toned stuff. And then this one, the, the uh, third in this case, will just be something a little random or some <laughs> some theme I can find to fit. And this year it's, the one word region. This is fourteen it's like a Jeopardy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fourteen of the sixteen teams in this region 
the titles are just one word long. Just funny how that worked out. <laughs> there were a couple exceptions, as we'll get to, but the one seed in the one word region is the movie we're reviewing today, Moonlight, against 16 seed Warcraft. Ooh, Eight that's seed. a close one. <laughs> yeah. No idea who's going to win that. There's never been a 16 seed to beat a one seed in the March Movie Madness bracket. Could this be the year? We'll find out. Eight seed Christine faces off against nine seed Patterson. Five seed Sully faces off against 12 seed Hacksaw Ridge, one of the few uh, exceptions to the rule in this bracket. Four seed Fences faces off against 13 seed Snowden. Six seed Loving is up against number 11 seed Allied. Number three, Silence is facing off against 14 seed Birth of a Nation, which, again, is not one word, but is one of two that was like that. Seven seed Jackie is up against 10 seed Lion. Two seed Arrival is up against 15 seed Ghostbusters. (laughs) So that is that. I like the the space theme, or not space, alien. Uh, I don't know. That's how bad Ghostbusters are. <laughs> what is it? aliens. Yeah, I, I tried my best. Just like last year, I tried to uh, make the first round matchups interesting, tied together in some way, as especially Reach, in some cases, uh, coming up. I'll, I'll make note of it when I get to it. But yeah, <laughs> let's get to the last regional. It's the drama slash horror region. And the number one seed is Manchester by the Sea, which we reviewed on the last episode with Edgar Chaput. That was a fun episode. I really enjoyed that, even if it was almost two and a half hours long. I think it would be worth listening to if you haven't checked it out. Yeah, but we had to match the movie, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. We might have matched (laughs) it exactly on the running time there. Plus, totally different kind of episode. Kind of got deep. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, it was good. I liked it, but definitely not our typical laid-back uh, lighthearted affair. I mean, we didn't, like, change the world or anything, but... Yeah, give it a shot. Cool. <laughs> you never know. 16 seed up against Manchester by the Sea is Hardcore Henry. Maybe that doesn't fit the theme exactly, but hey, it's a 16 seed. Uh, they yeah. they made it in. You know, they won their conference yeah, tournament they, somehow, so... They, they got to the dance. That's their championship, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I also tried to put in as many of the movies that we reviewed on a like a main review as possible. Um, but yeah, eight seed. This is a good matchup here. Eight seed. Don't breathe is facing number nine seed. Green Room. Two kind of similar movies, but very good at the same time. That's a good matchup. Number five seed. Here's one that I thought was kind of clever. Uh, the Lobster is the five seed. Against number 12 seed Nocturnal Animals, which Ooh. comes out, I mean, which we'll be reviewing in a couple of weeks. Uh, animals, lobsters, you know, that's what I'm working with here. <laughs> I, I, I've been meaning to still uh, watch that movie. Yeah, try to watch it before uh, episode 200 so you could have a read on it. Yeah, for sure. If you can. But number four, <laughs> The Handmaiden which I know you have recently watched, 
Yeah. Against number 13 seed American Honey, which was in my top 10 for the year. Very low seeding. But uh, that's a tough matchup for me right there. Uh, yeah, try to check that one out. If you, I mean, how many movies can you watch? But Yeah, true. <laughs> number six seed, Hunt for the Wilder People, against number 11 seed, Captain Fantastic. Huh. I matched them up together because I got them confused and mixed up and didn't know which one was which when I watched them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number three seed, 10 Cloverfield Lane, goes up against 14 Midnight Special. Interesting. Number seven, The Witch, is facing off against number ten, Blair Witch. I don't see the matchup there. Yeah, that one was just like you know random. So, and last, and maybe least, but number two seed, Hell or High Water, is facing off against fifteen seeded War Dogs. Hmm. So that's your bracket. Fill them out. Send them in. Make your predictions, yeah. Already, I have decided not to look at the brackets that have been submitted. But when it pops up, or when you look at the standings on the website, it shows you everyone's final four. I look, I glimpsed that. I didn't study it too deeply because I don't want to have it affect our our picks in any way. But a lot of differences, so this this should be interesting. Nice. Yeah, but let's get to the number one seed. In the drama horror region, Moonlight is our main review for this episode. And it is about a chronicle of the childhood, adolescence, and burgeoning adulthood of a young black man growing up in a rough neighborhood of Miami. Directed by Barry Jenkins, starring a lot of people, including yeah. Mahershala <laughs> Ali, who was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and won, actually, uh... Naomi Harris, Janelle Monet, all the kids, actors, uh, playing Chiron in three different time periods. Who all did great. Yes, all of them did great. Yeah, like we said, this one, Best Picture. So a lot of, a lot of expectations coming in on this one. Would it be possible, like, in a weird alternate universe that all three of them got nominated for the same role? Best lead actor. It's possible. Best. They probably split votes, so I don't know if it'd be the best strategic decision. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. It, it wouldn't happen, but yeah, I'm surprised. I guess I would say I'd be surprised that one of them didn't get nominated. But at the same time, like it's just the nature of the film how it's divided into three sections yeah. that they don't really get enough time to shine, even though they're all great. But anyway, yeah, this movie had a. No, let me look it up. Ninety, I want to say ninety-eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Let me confirm my sources here. <laughs> no, I was way off. Ninety-seven percent uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. But um, yeah, what were your expectations coming into this one? Well, pretty high considering all the buzz, and uh, and I believe you watched it before I did, so. You- told me it was to stop what I was doing and watch it pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. I went out and saw it on my birthday with my wife. We did dinner and a movie. It's not very often that we get to go to the movies together, maybe once a year. So I picked a good one to spoil my thoughts. Um, she went with you? Yeah, she liked it a lot. Not as much as me, but 
Yeah, we both liked it. I was interested. Yeah, we were picking between Moonlight, La La Land, and Silence. And I liked all three at the after seeing them all, but definitely picked the right one. Yeah, I don't know how many times I was almost about to go see Silence. It just was like, I don't know <laughs> if I could commit my, as much as I want to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a... Uh, it's a, a deep sit. It's like a, it's long and it feels long, but it's kind of worth it. On one hand, you kind of want to be in the comfort of your home, own home when you watch it. But at the same time, if you saw it in theaters, it'd help you focus completely on the movie. So it's got given. Yeah. Time. Yeah. I, it's just a movie. I kind of want to give it my all when yeah. I watch it the first time. For sure. You know, absolutely. But what did you think of Moonlight? Uh, this movie is amazing. Yes. It, uh, like on so many levels, too. Like the writing's good, the the direction, how it's put together, the acting. And most of all, for me, like the style of it all really brings everything together. Like just everything. The, the score... Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard to put into words to yeah. sum up the whole movie as yeah. one big sentence. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I loved it as well. Uh, my second favorite movie of the year, 2016, only behind Manchester by the Sea, but it was—it's pretty close. I mean, fairly close. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it's pretty. That's a. Per, it's basically personal preference. Yeah, I think those two movies are head and shoulders above the rest of the year as far as movies go. Oh, and, uh, and plenty, there were plenty of other movies that I loved as well, but those two were just like near masterpieces, if not complete masterpieces, but I think you need time to really determine a, a masterpiece or not. But yeah, I absolutely love this movie. Everything you said is 100% true. There's not any one thing that you could be like, this is why it's incredible. It's just everything put together equals this amazing piece of cinema yeah exactly and that's uh definitely what makes it special is the combination of everything like yeah. you said how you can't put your finger on one thing that makes it great yeah it's like the sum is better than the parts or however that saying goes and when you're watching it the first time you're kind of like i really like this but i kind of I don't know. It's not that you're doubting the direction of the movie, but you kind of just, you're really in for the ride. You don't really know how it's all going to build. and Right. And it's, it, Or what exactly the main issue of the movie is. Yeah, like, it kind of ebbs and flows a little bit. Yeah. yeah, so I guess we should say, for those who haven't seen it, well, first of all, you need to rectify that. But, yeah. Uh, it's a triptych tale which is it's told in three parts like we said but it's almost like three short films stitched together that equal a whole but all stories of the same character but at different times in his life it's kind of like the place beyond the pines where each part is very distinct but yeah basically it shows the character development and so the first part is little which is him when uh, Chiron is the character's name, when he's, I don't know, eight years old? Yeah, eight like to ten ish. Third, fourth 
grade, something like that. Maybe. Yeah. And the movie starts like no setup. It's just he's being chased by these kids who are kind of picking on him, and he runs and hides in this uh, crack hole. What do they call it? When <laughs> like drug hole or whatever. Yeah, something. And like uh, that. yeah, it's like an empty apartment that is obviously being used by druggies. Uh, but I did want to say in the opening scene, like they don't really start with him. Right, it's right. It's just kind of like this drug deal, and you just happen to see some kids run by. That's right. I thought that was kind of a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, the drug dealer, main drug dealer in question is Mahershala Ali's character, who, like we said, won Best Supporting Actor at the Oscars, which I think was well-deserved. I thought he was amazing in this movie, maybe my favorite character. Oh, he's he's um really good in House of Cards. He's uh so. he's a villain in Luke Cage. Uh, he was in Hidden Figures. Yeah, he's good, but uh, yeah, I totally agree. Well deserved. Yeah, I mean, he's incredible, and we'll get to more of that. But yeah, so he finds Little in the in the little drug haven because he's a drug dealer, and uh, yeah. So then you learn more about Little's home life as uh, Mahershala Ali's. I've, can't remember the character's name, but takes him home to his mom. His mom is played by Naomi Harris, who was also nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Didn't win, but was nominated and won. By the way, yes, that's right, won. He is the loneliest number. <laughs> but uh, Naomi Harris is a is a drug addict and not a great mom. Uh, but she's Juan's customer at the same time, so that kind of makes things a little complicated there. Yeah. And then uh, I guess Juan and his girlfriend, played by Janelle Monet, who was a breakout star for me, like, she's really good in this movie as well. And she's also yeah. really good in Hidden Figures, but this was my first time seeing her. I know she's a musician, but I don't really know her music. Um, and she was great. And they kind of take Little under their wing and kind of become more of his parental figures. And that's kind of where basically the whole setup of the first part. Yeah. Yeah, wow. This movie, to explain, you really got to explain basically the, everything. I know, right? Because, like, how many minutes have we taken opening this? And that's, like, literally just setting up. Right, just setting down the path of this movie. So, what did you think of the whole relationship, like, dynamic between his mom and... And uh, Juan and the chick. <laughs> no. I think it's like, besides the fact that he's lucky enough that he like kind of took him under his wing, like it's a cool like, like it's typical, but like in a good way. Yeah, I mean it's just telling a honest story about a culture that doesn't get a lot of time in the proverbial sun or spotlight when it comes to the movies yeah plus I think it uh, also shines a good light in how how people in these tough situations like have people like that like I'm not saying everybody in the world has someone like that but like that's what happens like other people in the neighborhood more distant family members or I don't know the people you grow up with kind of become your family yeah. Whether it be like a mentor situation or actual friends. Yeah, and also 
yeah, Juan's a drug dealer. Um, you know, there's a lot of bad stuff going on in this neighborhood, but they're not all bad people. They're just doing what they got to do to survive, basically. Yeah, it, that's also an interesting. Uh, it's, now that you mention it, I didn't really even think about it. It's very matter of fact that he's a drug dealer. Like, they don't go into that whole, like, demonizing, making them all, like, bloodthirsty. It's very much just he's good at what he does and I don't know makes money off it you know what I mean it's yeah. just like life right yeah I mean he's clearly a good guy and uh, so is Janelle Monáe's character and so is Little I mean this kid he's just being picked on for basically no reason I mean he doesn't even know why necessarily I mean it turns out that he's gay and I guess he's a little different and the kids just pick up on that immediately i guess that's just what kids do right i i can remember there's always as a kid anyone that's different for any reason oh for sure they're gonna get it just i don't know like why that is but it just kind of happens to be that way and i did find it interesting i was talking to brooks like besides him being just kind of like scrawny and a wimp to me there wasn't any like telltale signs that he was like no yeah so I found that interesting that people got on him like that. Because even his mom, don't they show that a few times where they like kind of even blank out what she says, but it's sort of implied. Right, yeah. Maybe that's where he heard the word when he asked uh, Juan at the dinner table, what's a faggot? Or, yeah. Like, that was my favorite scene of the movie, I think. That dinner table scene. Like, I was getting choked up just because how how real Juan was being like a great guy right there he was amazing in this scene on so many levels because he's his reaction is authentic right like it's heartfelt what he says but like there's even this little moment where he's like you don't have to let nobody call you that and he sort of like almost under his breath says unless and kind of looks to his wife yeah. and she's like no <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so subtle, but so, like, real, so but, perfect. Yeah, definitely. For, like, especially him being, like, another generation. Yeah, but I like that. It wasn't, like, one of these message movies where it's, like, this guy is going to be as cool as you could be. It's, like, he likes this kid. I mean, I'm sure he... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just loved ex exactly how it was played out, like... He's a good guy. He's going to be on this kid's side. And I don't know. It was a touching moment. Yeah, for sure. It's an amazing scene. Yeah. And so is another great scene when he's teaching him how to swim. And it's like the score is booming. Like that's when I really started to notice the score, which is amazing. I think this is, uh, for me, the most memorable scene. It's this and when they're on the beach. Yeah. And he tells the story right and it just looks so it's shot so well the cinematography is amazing in this movie the score is incredible the just the way the movie looks like i know it's called moonlight but even when like it's sunrise or not sunrise uh dawn or yeah, when the moon is out uh, like it looks really cool it's just pretty to look at the whole scene is like pretty amazing because the the camera is sort of like looking up and it's like partially in the water and the water's this like milky blue color and it's like 
It's a kind of cloudy outside, almost like it's going to rain. Yeah. And it's, yeah, like you said, like the score's booming, it builds up, and he, like, that whole story that he tells him, like, about the lady saying, black boys in the moonlight make the skin look blue. Yeah. So I'll call you blue. And that's like, one of the first times he talks, I believe. Yeah, Not yeah, the yeah. First, He's but. very timid in the yeah. first part. Or really in the first two parts, but... Well, what a great line. He's like, uh, so that's your name, Blue? He's like, no. You gotta decide who, for yourself who you want to be. Right, point. right, yeah. And I love people decide that for you. Yeah, man, God. Like, the first third of this movie... If it, I think each part gets a tiny bit worse, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I think each part is great in its own way. Yeah, but the first... The first yeah. one, man. God, that is like... If that was just a short film, a 30-minute short film, it'd be like the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Wouldn't it be cool if they like showed it on TV like that or something? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. It, it wouldn't be for someone that, like, really, really wants to see it, but it'd be cool if they, like, did that. They they do that with, like, some animes and stuff, too. They'll, when they have movies, I forget what they call them, OSTs, VA, something like that. Yeah. And, oh, each each part, has it gets, like, a chapter title, right? In the beginning, it's a black screen with... Yeah. And the first one's called Little. And I, this is when he first meets his, his buddy... Um, God, I should have wrote down the character names. Uh, play. Uh, I have it. Uh, Jesus. It's his buddy who he he'll show up. He shows up in all three parts, and um, he calls him Black. I think that's how he gets that nickname. He's like, "Why are you calling me that?" And I don't know. It's just a yeah. It's a cool moment when he they. It's like the first person to ever like stuck up for him or or hung out with him. You know. You're looking up his name, aren't you? Yeah, I'm trying to, but there's so many freaking cast members. I know. There's but so yeah. many people that are played in, like, three different ages. <laughs> Andre Holland plays him in Kevin. the future. Kevin, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, it's been a couple months since I've seen it, but... Yeah, Kevin. I la- their relationship throughout all three parts is very interesting. Yeah. It's something you always kind of get a hint of, but, like, it's not even the defining thing about the relationship, though. Right. But, yeah, I guess we can move on to part two. Yeah. Uh, This one's titled Chiron, which is his actual name. Uh, And this is when he's, like, I don't know, high school. Yeah, Uh, like, 10th grade, I guess. Yeah, and what do you know? He's still being bullied. Uh, I don't know if it's, like, part of the same group of kids that was born him before, but it's this guy with these dreadlocks, right? And yeah. And he really gives him a hard time. Kevin. Huh? I believe, that's, I believe the guy with the dreadlocks is Kevin. No, Kevin's his buddy, his friend. Uh, uh, no, 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 I apologize. But, yeah. Um, so, really, this is more where it's, like, you get more of his mom, his relationship with his mom. Uh, it looks like Juan is gone. He's out of the picture. You don't see him for the rest of the movie. I don't want to go too high, much into spoilers, so I'll try to speak in vagaries. But yeah, uh, he still sees 
Janelle Monet's character, and he's kind of back and forth between her and his mom. And uh, I think I know who I'd want to stay with more often than not. Yeah, for real. His mom is a nut job. Who Naomi Harris, who was nominated for Best Supporting Actress, like I said, but I thought her performance was good, but it seemed a little more forced than the other performances. Yeah. Uh, what's her name? Is it Janelle Monet? Yeah, her. She's the. She's so natural. Yeah. Like she's amazing. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be upset if she got it, but. But yeah, I agree. Uh, she is a little. It's still a great uh, performance. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but. I don't know. Yeah, so I mean, I especially liked her in uh, the third act, but. First yeah, act. I was going to say, um, I, I apologize. Uh, she actually gets better as the movie goes on. Yeah, I would agree. The movie actually gets a little weaker. Yeah, I would agree. And by weaker, we mean still incredibly good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there is a defining moment. In, or there's a few defining moments. I think like each part has a scene or two that's just like great. Like stands out in a good, great way. I think um, it literally might have a major and a minor like major plot point or moment or whatever in each uh, episode or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Each act. At least I think. I mean, it might not be that formulaic or whatever, but it seems like there's one major scene and there's like one, not minor, but slightly lesser, but impactful. Yeah. And this kid... In this part, he goes through some highs and lows here. Yeah. There's a beach scene, which I thought was incredibly well done, where he's, like, finally probably feels like himself for the first time. Um, and then immediately, like, shit goes wrong there. The hall say is the fight scene. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty rough to watch. Uh, I, I don't want to give too much away, but that's, like, very complicated uh, relationship going on with Kevin there. Yeah, just ups and downs. Yeah. So, and downs. same in his home life. Like, uh, he, he'll get reamed out by his mom, who's just a terrible mother, completely shitty to him. And then he'll go over to Janelle Monet's house, and everything's like, he probably wishes it was just like that all the time. And same at school. It's the bullying, you know. And uh, this part ends with a great great little moment I thought I don't want to say what it is but do you know what I'm talking about um yeah I'm trying to think of it what is exactly the end of this act payback in a way oh uh, yeah 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 yeah. That, yeah I agree with you yeah it's, it's actually a kind of different part of the movie from the rest of the movie but yeah but yeah, I wouldn't want to give it away. Yeah, and then uh, the third part of the movie is called titled Black. And this is when he's older. I'd say, I don't know, early to mid-20s, maybe. Yeah, like 24, 25, something, whatever. Yeah, That's he's... my best guess. Been through some shit. He's changed considerably. Yeah. Uh, he's like... T- he's filled in Juan's shoes... He's become one, essentially. And he's putting on a front. 
but he's still the same guy underneath. And basically the whole third part is he's driving up from, I think he went to Georgia or something like that. And yeah. Driving back up to the neighborhood, the old neighborhood, to see Kevin after he hadn't talked to him since the second part of the movie. But he also stops by to see his mom, who she's, what is she? She's in some kind of rehab center, I guess. Yeah. Seems to be doing better. Uh, I think that was my favorite part. That was the big scene for me from this part of the movie. The conversation with his mom that felt really uh, true. Again, very subtle acting and just powerful. Yeah, I think this is my favorite scene with her. Yeah, for sure. sure. And then basically the rest, he just meets up with Kevin and they just have a long conversation and I enjoyed it thoroughly, even if it was my least favorite of the three parts. It it was, um, I, I totally agree with you, but it was a good conversation. It was very like, Chiron hasn't really changed at all. They were kind of playing that cat and mouse conversation. Yeah. And not even about anything in particular, just in just general. Catching up on life, yeah. Because if anyone knows him, it's Kevin for the most part. And he can kind of see through the... The facade, yep. The, the, the wall he put up. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think Andre Holland is pretty good as adult Kevin. He does a really good job. Um, but, yeah, this the character development in this movie for everyone is is really good. Even though it jumps way ahead, it doesn't feel like too sudden of a change in anybody yeah you're only really sitting there like catching up for the first maybe minute or so of the uh, of each chapter like especially for like the third one you, you see him and he looks so different and then it becomes pretty clear that he's become one and this isn't that I don't know it does a really good job of explaining things without explaining them yeah yeah for sure for sure and uh, this is a tougher movie than i thought it would be to talk about yeah i mean because you don't want to give away too much and i don't know it's just an incredible film like the, the screenplay won best adapted screenplay at the oscars and that's well deserved as well um yeah, the best picture win was surprising, obviously, in its own way, but I was rooting for it the whole time. Even though I liked Manchester by the Sea better, I wanted Moonlight to win just yeah. because it seemed like it had a better chance than Manchester, first of all, and second of all, just because... And I liked La La Land, which we'll get to in a future review, but Moonlight just it felt really important for the time. Yeah, I totally agree. And I had the, a weird bad feeling kind of thing with La La Land. I don't know. People just seem to like it a little too... Not that I haven't seen it yet, so I'm not judging, but it was almost like people were, like, obnoxiously through the roof with that movie. Or maybe I was just tired of hearing of it, but... Yeah. Yeah, and, um... It's just not your typical Oscar bait movie. You know, they're like, even if you heard, like, what it's about, you know... A gay black kid who, you know, goes through the struggle, blah, blah, blah. That sounds like it could be very cliche, very Hollywood. But it's not at all. It's not played like that whatsoever. It just was an indie movie that cost one and a half million dollars to make. 
was put together incredibly well by Barry Jenkins, and it took off, which is a really cool story to watch yeah, unfold. Yeah, for sure. This this movie is incredible. It, yeah, it's a must watch for anybody. Yeah, I don't care what kind of movies you typically like. I think you might not love it as much as we do, but you'll absolutely uh, you'll appreciate it. the fact you watched it yes. at the very least. Yep, hundred percent. So, what would you give it? I give Moonlight a nine and a half out of ten. I'm with you. Nine and a half out of ten for me as well. Wow, that's that's high stuff from us. Yeah, and that might be our highest overall like aggregate score. I don't think we've ever both given it a nine and a half. Yeah, I I agree. I think I gave Manchester a ten last week, but you gave yeah, it, may, it might have ended up being a nine and a half then. Yeah. But you have Edgar too, but I think he gave even a nine. Yeah, that's right. He or he split the difference, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Not to uh, spoil that episode, but uh, yeah, I lo- absolutely, absolutely loved Moonlight. Can't say it enough. Like, there's almost nothing about it that I didn't like. Just that the biggest weakness I could say is that each part got just a tiny bit less compelling than the part before it. Like, even if it was reversed, like, quali- like quality-wise, if, if, it was, if it got a tiny bit better each time and culminated in something as good as that first part, it might have left me with a 10 out of 10 instead of a 9.5 out of 10. But talk about nitpick. Yeah, yeah I was going to say biggest nitpick ever because I, could, I love all three chapters, to be honest. But you're right. Each one is a little bit less. Yeah. All right, so let's get to our top five best picture winners of all time. This is actually a list that me and Casey did in the first year of the podcast, which I didn't realize at first, but uh, eh, it's been a while. We haven't heard yours, and yeah, I've seen and a few more since then. So, By no means is mine comprehensive. <laughs> more of a, kind of just some of my faves. <laughs> yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, whatever. My list. I have to say, uh, I've seen 41 Best Picture winners to date. I think Jesus. At the last time we did this, I had seen like 33 or 34. So I've seen a, a do- half a dozen more or so. And uh, I gotta say, for the most part, at least from the ones I've seen, and I haven't seen a lot of the ones that people say are the worst. Uh, Oscar does pretty good for themselves picking yeah. the best winner maybe not all the nominees that they pick are great and there are certainly some duds here or there that are decent movies that didn't deserve to win but Argo is the worst fucking example ever <laughs> I didn't love Argo either but I would say yeah, I mean it's an alright movie don't get me wrong the bottom two on my list 40 and 41 are The Artist and Crash respectively which, uh, I haven't seen the artist, so I can't judge. Them. I don't hate either one. Like I'd probably give the artist maybe a six or six and a half, and Crash five and a half or six. So I mean, not like garbage, but just crazy to pick as the best movie of the year. But for the most part, you know, they they don't pick bad movies. They might not pick the right one, but they don't really pick bad movies. So that being said, I'll go into my number five. Which is right. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Ooh, we've talked I didn't even really look too, that far down, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, we talked about this a, a little bit recently on the top five. I can't remember which one, but 
Uh, yeah, just a classic comedy. Um, it'd probably be a one seed in the all-time, or it'd be a high seed in the all-time movie madness. Maybe we should do that one time. That would be cool. <laughs> just like an all-time top 64 bracket. But anyway, um, yeah, just a classic. Uh, you got Christopher Lloyd and Danny DeVito and, wait, not Danny DeVito at all. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. I was thinking of the other uh, one that's kind of similar the dream team or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Sorry, I was <laughs> No, no worries. <laughs> yeah, one flavor of the cuckoo's nest. Classic. Absolute balls out. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Alright. Um You know what? Just to make my list a little more interesting, I'm taking Moonlight out because we reviewed it. Yeah. And maybe it needs a year to make list or something right but moonlight would have been pretty high up there so my number five is titanic okay just because of the phenomenon it was and it was at a time where we're like kind of just old enough to really remember it it's one of the first movies i can remember going to see like four or five times and it just being like one of those things that everyone had to go see. Yeah, I definitely saw it a bunch of times. Mostly and, thanks uh, to Charlie, our cousin. I mean, I watched it not that long ago, probably within a year. It holds up fairly well. I mean, it's a little cheesy, don't get me wrong. But the the amount of effort they put into making that movie was unprecedented. Yeah, and at the time. a rare case of a huge blockbuster winning Best Picture. Yeah, true. The, the, the blockbuster, really, I mean, until recently. Yeah. An iconic James Cameron getting on stage, I'm king of the world, or whatever he said. Yeah, it's just one of those movies that, like, people will know the scenes of it, even if they don't know what that is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, it's just, it's just part of culture. That last moment when the boat actually sinks still holds up pretty well. That's a thrilling, like, 20, 30 minutes of cinema right there. Or however yeah. long it lasts. And what a cool like story to tell. Like something that really happened. Kind of make your own story. <clears throat> that like driving along. But you know what the real thing is at the end. Like you know it's coming. Yeah. And uh, uh, iconic for me as a. Well I don't remember exactly how old I was. But Kate Winslet being drawn in the nude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like one of the first times in a movie that I saw nudity or whatever. Iconic in that way as well. Yeah. And plus, I can appreciate anything that tries to do history, like, to the accuracy that they did. I, I would like to see... I mean, I know movies do pretty good jobs of it, but they usually do, like, more of a mod podge of what really happened or what things really looked like. That was, like, pretty faithfully recreated. Yeah. I mean, it's a good movie. It's 100% a good movie. I would watch it if it was on, you know. Yeah, I figured it was an interesting number five. For sure. Good call. My number four is another old-timer, The Bridge on the River Kwai, or, uh, one of our grandfather's favorites um, when he was around. Uh, I remember it, him watching it and me kind of not paying attention but then a few years ago I finally sat down and watched the whole thing which is like three and a half hours long and I loved every second of it it's in my top 100 movies of all time 
It's uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi as a British SAS soldier who is held as a POW. And it's kind of like uh, you get different perspectives from the story, like two or three different perspectives, and they all kind of converge in the middle. And uh, just an incredibly well-made movie that holds up completely to this day. Wow. Um, it's not like I can understand, like, some movies were great during their day in the old, you know, like the old-time movies. And if you watch them now, you just kind of have to put yourself in that perspective to understand why it's so Yeah. Good. But then there's, there's movies like this and Seven Samurai and The Apartment and, and stuff like that that is transcendent and it, like, holds up compared to today's movies as well. So that's, huh. that's Bridge on the River Kwai, my number four. Oh, let me write that one down. <laughs> That's a long title, too. Well, I'm not. I'm shorthanded it, Bob. <laughs> TB. Oh, I wrote Bride. I wrote Bride. That might fuck up my, uh, my search. <laughs> Bride on the Roof Quad. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different movie. That's the porn parody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that could be good as well. Three and a half hours long? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why? Right, my number four is um let me scroll up here i i'm gonna just have to write these down for now on i don't like doing <laughs> the pad thing yeah hey you tried you tried yeah i tried to get with the times you know but you're old school man old school for sure my number four is gladiator all right it's a movie that i uh didn't appreciate as much as other people at first but it's um uh, Another iconic movie. It's a. I like these like real long, kind of, epic movies. They're like what I usually like to put on, like to fall asleep. Right. So I've seen the beginning of this movie, like, <laughs> and I I like all these movies that are like it's almost like a completely different movie in the very beginning than, like when you actually get into the story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it starts off with like more of an all-out war scene, right? Yeah, it's like a medieval or Roman time war movie. It's like and then Braveheart-esque. Then goes to a more personal battle. Yeah. And I think Gladiator's overrated, but I do enjoy the movie. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I just don't... I think a lot of people say, one of the best movies of all time. For me, it's not close, uh, close yeah, to Yeah, I, I guess I could agree with you there. Uh, this is more favorites. Like maybe, oh, yeah. Maybe guilty pleasure on the list you know what I mean yeah alright my number three is more of a recent one 2007 it was released won the best picture at the 2008 Oscars it's No Country for Old Men by the Coen Brothers next on my list alright we had the same number three yeah just uh, this one feels kind of old school in a way it's like more of a a western with a bit of a modern bent one of the best villains of all time oh for sure and I like the look of it is modern even though it still has that old feel yeah and just some like classic scenes that really stand out to me like it's subtle action but it's impactful it's just it just constantly builds tension yeah exactly and I might not love the ending, ending all the like the very ending, but 
It, the more time goes on, the less I really care about that, and the less it bothers me. Anymore, I yeah. focused on the other ninety nine percent of the movie. So yeah, I love it. It's it's an incredible film by some incredible filmmakers. One of their best. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, all right, I guess you're next. All right, my number two <laughs> is a movie that uh, I've talked. We talked about before. Or at least I have. Uh, I still don't think you've seen it. But I think it's a masterpiece. I've seen it twice. And I don't need to ever see it again. But it doesn't take away from the quality of 12 Years a Slave. It's a very recent movie. But Steve McQueen just really knocked it out of the park. I think it's a very powerful movie. Very well acted. Other than Brad Pitt. He kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. He's not a big part. Uh... But yeah, just uh, I don't know. It's a classic. There's a scene that will never leave my mind from this movie is when one of the slaves is killed or dies, and uh, our main guy Chiwetel Ejiofor's character and everyone else is burying him, and they're having a little funeral thing. And it's a scene where it's just this woman starts singing this hymn. And then everyone kind of joins in, and it kind of keeps going and builds up and builds up, and yeah, just a iconic movie scene in my in my mind, and that song is gets stuck in my head even to this day. Sometimes I love it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, that's why I said not a comprehensive list on my part. Yeah. And more why I went with like just sort of guilty favorite type things than what I thought was the best film. Mm-hmm. But. To go on a little more detail, Lupita Nyong'o won Best Supporting Actress. She's incredible in this movie. Michael Fassbender, he was nominated, didn't win, but man, he is one of the uh, biggest villains maybe in cinema history. Like, really wow. did a great job with that. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is in this movie. Paul Dano, uh, Paul Giamatti. Like, it's got a killer cast, and everyone's wow. great. So, yeah. It's a painful watch. Like, there's no doubt about it, but that's what kind of makes it great. So, Oh, no doubt. That's definitely why I haven't probably gone out of my way to see it yet, but I definitely will. Yeah, and a lot of people I respect, their opinion, like a lot of movie critics, like there's a few people out there that don't like the movie because in their mind, like, it's just like almost torture porn, I guess, or... Uh, yeah. I mean, I can get, I kind of understand that viewpoint, but for me, you know, yeah, I can. It's not going to be a movie I'm going to repeat viewing, but it doesn't mean it didn't work the first time, you know? Mm hmm. All right. Well, my number two is a classic, uh, at least in my mind. I, I think for most people, it would be, again, iconic. It's a war film. It's Platoon. Platoon, nice. One of my favorites. I love this movie. Uh, one, I don't know. Uh, I had this in Apocalypse Now. I used to watch them all the time at my mom's house. And I don't know. It's uh, Charlie Sheen. Uh, Vietnam War flick. It's a clip. Uh, who, who made this? Oliver Stone? I want to say it was him. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. Yeah. I'll look it up, but uh, Johnny Depp, right? One of his early roles. Yeah, I forgot about that. 1986, Willem Dafoe, Tom Berenger. Yeah, Oliver Stone directed. 
but it's uh it's intense but um I don't, it, as many times I've seen this movie I couldn't uh, give you the exact rundown of the plot it's craziness Tom Berenger is pretty much the bad guy but the you know they're all American soldiers so I don't know it's just something you gotta watch yeah it's a good movie for sure no doubt about it son alright my number one is kind of a cheat but uh it's a series of movies but really it's the godfather part one is my real number one but the godfather part two is kind of i'm lumping it in there with it at the same time i mean come on fair enough (laughs) you can't go wrong here uh the godfather part one is in my top three movies of all time and any day of the week you ask me, I'll either say it's There Will Be Blood and Glorious Bastards or The Godfather Part 1 is my favorite movie of all time. Um, just listen to our episode we did with friend of the show, Edgar Chaput, uh, where we reviewed the entire Godfather trilogy. That was one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done. And yeah, just an incredible movie. Everyone, of course. I mean, unless you were like me two years ago or whenever it was, who still hadn't seen them. You know, most people have seen them and love them, so not surprising anyone here, but had to go with it. Yeah. Again, I didn't dig that far, years-wise. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I want mine to be more comprehensive. That's a, we'll, we'll just have to do like a top ten like for sure one day, set in stone. Yeah. But uh, that'd be a little more fair for such a prestigious award. But my number one is I'm sorry I'm getting a little stuffed up no worries Been freaking there. uh <laughs> shoveling snow in the when it turned to rain <laughs> we just got that big snowstorm or sort of big snowstorm we didn't really get it's that little, much but a little disappointing in the end but yeah no yeah it, I, you know what before we go into it real quick a little side there's been a few times when we've been doing this podcast where I literally can feel myself getting sick as we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of weird. But. That's definitely how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> like, uh, it's getting harder to talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've been there, brother. What's your number but one? My number one is a great movie, but just a favorite. Um, the Departed. Yeah. Honorable it's mention for me. Fantastic movie. Uh it's one I actually own on Blu-ray, and it's one of those movies that when I watch it, I get stuck on it for a while. I'll just put it on the background a lot. Yeah. And, and it's an awesome uh, Scorsese flick. It's a little bit, it's not the Italian mafia necessarily, and it's kind of shot and told a little bit different than most of his movies. It's almost a little more Tarantino-like not literally, but yeah, I can kind of see that. Yeah, but for him at least. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of got all these twists and turns, and you know, it's got the, all the hue. It's got everything. It's Scorsese, baby. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a couple honorable mentions. The Departed is one. The Sting is one. Uh, the Apartment, Spotlight. 
which was a year or two ago. Um, Rocky, the classic boxing movie, and Moonlight, which we obviously just reviewed. Yeah, I had Moonlight. I had um, I gave Lord of the Rings a shout out just for Lord of the Rings, not necessarily the third one. Yeah, I can't but, believe of all the ones to win, it was the third one. Yeah, well, that's just how it goes. It, it builds enough prestige, and then they feel like they have to give them one or whatever. But I don't know. Um, what was the other one I had? I don't know. I, I guess I deleted it by accident. But Moonlight, for sure. Yeah. Cool, 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 yeah. cool. All right, well, uh, did you watch anything else in the past week? I did. All right, let's hear it. I watched this movie called... Um, 24 hour party people. people. I kept thinking it was 24 hour people party. <laughs> that would be a little different. <laughs> yeah. But it's about, it's like a true story, but almost like a mockumentary type movie. It's got hints of mockumentary. It's more just a kind of an epic flick, a tale, if you will. Um, it's about the Manchester music scene. I guess, uh, I guess it, it could, blah, 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 blah. I can't talk anymore. <laughs> Apologize. I think it starts in probably like the late seventies, the beginning of punk, because it says it starts with them all going to a sex pistols concert before they were big, where there's like 12 people in the room. And, uh, it's basically about the guy. I forget what his name is. Hold on, let me uh, pull it up. I want to at least tell you the actor. All right, yeah. I definitely heard this movie, and I've heard good things about it. I want to say it came out in the 90s or early 2000s. Yeah, I think it's um, like 2004, 2005. 2002. Steve Coogan is the guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was... uh, Someone recommended me this movie. They said it was her uh, one of her favorites. So I was like, all right. And I kind of like put it on again, like I usually do, with not much intention in like watching the whole thing. I just wanted to see what it looked like. Uh-huh. It kind of just got stuck. It's the movie's hilarious, really. Very, very dry, like British matter of fact humor. But the the main guy is just kind of like so full of himself, but so convincing at the same time. It's kind of a riot the whole way through. But uh, I forget what you would exactly call the music, Madchester or something like that. <laughs> hey, I like mu- people that make music for Manchester. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> Mad for it. But uh. I don't know, it's pretty cool. It starts more like with punk or I think they call it like post-punk to be totally honest. Mm -hmm. And then it gets more into like the dance scene. Like before it's like EDM and stuff like that. It's more like dance music, but DJs play it. Right. Um, It's just, this movie is just kind of all over the place. It, just goes through their whole journey. Uh, Steve Coogan, yeah. That's the main guy. 
Sorry. <laughs> you do digress. But I, I don't know. It's just something I would totally recommend watching. It's pretty hilarious. He goes through this whole thing, not really owning anything, just kind of wanting to be like known as a person that changed rock and roll or something like that. Yeah. There's a scene towards the end where they like offer them $5 million for the record company and then they reveals that they have a contract saying they don't own anything. He did that so he could never sell out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's just all kinds of great moments through the movie. I'm nice. doing it no justice. But it, it's kind of hard to explain. It's like we were saying about Moonlight. There's not like one point. There's not like a goal to the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. It's just telling a tale. And following these characters. Yeah. And, and it's over like 10 or 15 years. So it's just cool. all the crazy shit that happened. You know. Yeah, I'll definitely starts. definitely want to try to check it out at some it's, point. It's definitely a movie you would like. Yeah, sounds like it for sure. Uh, I watched a few things, not a ton. Uh, I can go through them real fast. Nothing great, actually. Um, I watched Girlfriend's Day, which we talked about the trailer for. A Netflix movie starring yeah. um, Saul Goodman. Uh, what the fuck is his name? Um but anyway, uh, it's not good. Do not waste your time with that movie. <laughs> Watch the trailer, you got it. It's just, it was really bland and dull and not funny and, yeah, really not good at all. Four and a half out of ten. Um, another movie that's not great, <laughs> predictably, Fifty Shades Darker. I did watch this with the wife and holy shit, Why? Is my yeah, mind. I'm glad you watched it so we didn't have to. No, no, no. This we one. are not reviewing this movie at all. Uh, this makes the first movie seem like a really good movie. Really? Yes. Um, no way. So they're not going to make a third one, you think? Oh, they definitely will. <laughs> um, yeah, this makes the first movie seem like super interesting because literally nothing happens in this movie. I do not understand it whatsoever. It's just all the complaints we had about the first movie times 10. Like, you know how the first movie ended? I don't care. I'll spoil it. Uh, with them kind of breaking up, she kind of runs out at yeah. the end. And this, <clears throat> this movie starts with him trying to get her back. And it does not take much <laughs> to get her back. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, it turns out. The only reason he's into the BDSM stuff is because his mom was a crack, <laughs> was an addict, crack, uh, <laughs> and was abusive or something like that, which is kind of like fucked up. Like there are people that just enjoy this stuff. But of course, this guy, it has to be because of something else. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's even like cleaner as far as the sexual content goes than the first movie. Oh, man, it is horrendous. Probably easily be the worst movie I watched in 2017. Wow. A 3 out of 10, being generous. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also watched White Bird in a Blizzard, which is a movie that came out a few years ago that I've been meaning to watch. It's on Netflix, but finally was, like, winding down one night, had nothing to watch, just popped it on, and uh, it was okay. Um 
not as good as I had heard some things about it, but not bad. Eva Green, Shailene Woodley, two actresses I like a lot. Uh, they're both good in the movie. It's about a girl who, played by Shailene Woodley, who her mom kind of just up and disappears one day. Her mom is Eva Green, and it kind of uses flashbacks to see how their messed up relationship and it's kind of interesting, but it just didn't really do that much for me. It's pretty much right down the middle, six out of ten for me. Um, rewatched Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, the original, uh, with my daughter. She enjoyed it, and uh, so did I. It holds up, you know, it is what it is. Classic for a reason. Not a whole lot to say, but. Uh, and uh, a couple other things that aren't movie related new season of Survivor started season 34 Game Changers an all all star all star version of the show and uh, it's off to a great start first three hours first two episodes have aired and yeah it's as good as you would expect an all star version of Survivor to be so (laughs) I'll let you know how it ends when the finale comes. And one last thing is um, last Saturday, me and my wife actually got a chance to go out downtown to the arena, <laughs> the Royal Farms Arena. Did not realize they changed the name to that. And uh, it doesn't matter because no one calls it by whatever it's sponsored by. It's just always the Baltimore Arena. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we saw Amy Schumer live, um, stand-up comedian. Uh, Who's from here, kind of. She wasn't born here, but she went to school at, at Towson, and she has yeah. some connection to here. And She's one of my favorite stand-ups going, and uh, she was hilarious. She was really good. So uh, if you were in this area, hopefully you had a chance to check her out because she did a great job. Uh, I could see her being awesome to see live, too. Like, Isn't it always funnier when you go? Oh, yeah, something? for sure. But I do have to say, as funny as she was... And as much as I laughed, like, there's something about comedy. It doesn't play the best in an arena with 13,000 people around. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I've been to some comedy shows. Like, my favorite comedy show I've ever been to, it was my wife took me on my birthday, like, I don't know, four four years ago or something like that. We went to a little small basement venue uh, at uh, under a restaurant. And you would know it. I just can't think of the name. Uh, Bowman? Yeah, Under the Bowman. And uh, it was just a clean show by Josh Blue, this guy who's on Last Comic Standing, who I hadn't really heard of at all. But uh, it was just a really small, intimate show. It was like 50 people in a really small, enclosed room. And something about that, like... Yeah, I'm sure that's fucking awesome. Yeah, it was right. like the la- uh, hardest I ever laughed, like, and for an hour straight, like that was amazing. But then if I would have heard his stand up like on an iPod, you know, while I'm working, might not yeah. might have cracked a smile or something. You know, like it probably would. Like if I would have heard the show back, I'd be like, really, I laughed that hard for this. But just something about that connection in a comedy show that that really works. But which is lacking when. Which, it's not her fault. I mean, she's huge now. She sold out the freaking arena. I'm sure she sold out every arena she went to on the tour, but it just, it hurts it a little bit in my eyes. Yeah. We didn't have yeah, a great view. But if she did that, people would be scalping her tickets for... Yeah. <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, we didn't have great seats for in the rafters, so it's almost like watching it on TV, you know, yeah. just a little more atmosphere. But uh, no, I, I'm glad we went. I'm glad we we did. The only part that pissed me off was we got there a little bit late because we decided to go out to dinner first, and we were parked at the very top of the parking garage. And wow, it took us longer to get out of our par- parking spot than it did for the entire show. <laughs> we literally sat there for more than an hour in the car just waiting to be able to get out like it was a parking lot yep <laughs> which knew was going to happen but I'd rather just pay the money pay like the little bit more money to just be exactly where you need to be instead of yeah every time I go to something with Charlie that's how he is he's like I'll pay $150 if I don't have to like yeah, like I don't want to this. walk and try to find a building or where did we park? Oh crap, I don't remember. Like I just rather know here's where it is. If we gotta wait afterwards, so be it. But yeah, it was it was fun though. It was a good time. I got home in time to watch one of the worst championship fights in UFC history. <laughs> so still a great night. Sweet. <laughs> well, let's get to pre-judgment day. We got quite a few trailers to talk about this week. Some big ones. First off, in front of Logan, which made a ton of money and got great reviews, which I'm happy to hear, um, was Deadpool 2. Not necessarily a trailer, but like a, a teaser, a little scene, a little two or three minute scene. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of this? It's basically, I mean, sorry. I didn't think too much of it, but it's funny. I mean, it was what I would expect from Deadpool. But it's not like it teases anything about the next movie. Really. No, not at Although all. Although I'm sure people have broken it down and found something. But Yeah, I should have set it up a little more. It's a scene where Deadpool is walking out just in his normal clothes with the hood up so you can't see his scarred face down the street. He hears someone who's getting robbed and needs his help, so... He runs to a, a phone booth. Yeah, a la Superman. Super, Superman scores going off in the background. And basically he's struggling to get his outfit on. He's got like his bare ass against the, <laughs> the, the like window. Ass naked. <laughs> and then by the time he gets out, the old man is murdered. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> actually, I thought it was better than anything in the first movie. I actually thought it was really clever, really funny. I mean, not a ton to it, but... I, I enjoyed this more than the the first movie. So hopefully this is more the tone. I, I don't know. It just didn't... I mean, there was no action. Maybe that's why. Like, the first one I've always said felt cheap, which it was, but I felt it. Like, well, they showed freaking half the movie, I felt like. like in the trailers. The hype it up, which, I mean, it paid off for them. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but, there wasn't much more to it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I enjoyed this teaser, even though, I, and like I said when we reviewed the movie, I didn't love it, but I'm still, I can see the potential, and I, I, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to the sequel. I'm hoping they get a bigger budget, and they can have some more production value and tighten up the script. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Nice. Agree? No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Uh, next up, we got Wonder Woman. The third trailer before it comes out this summer. And this one shows more of 
actually what it's going to be about, I guess. It's like the actual origin story of Diana Prince, a la, a.k.a. Wonder Woman, uh, and how she grew up on the Amazonian island being trained by the other goddesses or whatever they'd be called. And uh, Chris Pine shows up and basically drags her into World War One, And <laughs> I thought this was the best trailer yet. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I mean, I liked all the stuff with the training, like uh, the stuff when she's fighting her mom or whoever and all that stuff. That looked pretty fun. Yeah, it gives you more of a look into, like, Wonder Woman. It's like an <laughs> origins trail, trailer. I'm having such a hard time talking. Uh, but I love Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Oh, my God. She is... <laughs> Stunningly gorgeous. Like, yeah. I'm not even being, like... Pervy. Yeah, but... Just, yeah, just outright. But she's also good for, like, action. Like, she's... Yeah, she's statuesque. She's tall. Like, she looks the part. And she did... De- I mean, she didn't have much in Batman v Superman, but she was one of the best parts. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah. <laughs> There's an awesome trailer... Uh, not trailer. Uh, poster out for the movie, too, which... I'm hoping I can take Mackenzie, my daughter, to see this movie and she'll love it. Because that poster, I'd love to get, uh, like, hang on her on her wall. I don't check it out, Google it, whatever. You at home, like, it's a really cool poster with Wonder Woman like kneeling down with some cool background. To it. Nice. Yeah, I'm hoping this could be a movie. Hopefully, it's good. I st- even as much as I enjoyed this trailer and love that poster, like, I still have no faith that it's going to be good. Yeah, I want it to be. I, uh, I thought it do. would be yeah. from like the first trailer or so, but I don't have the best feeling about it. Yeah, it's it's a shame. Hopefully, it's good. I hope it can like this could be like a real superhero icon for girls, little girls. Yeah, I think it would be perfect. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have Edgar Wright's next movie finally coming out called Baby Driver, which is kind of like uh, Drive. Plus, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World combined. Um, basically, Ansel Elgort plays this this kid who has some kind of disease where there's some noise in his head and he has to wear headphones to drown out this uh, droning noise that he hears. And he becomes a getaway driver for the mob to try to pay off a debt. And it looks kind of... It's supposed to be comedic and uh, like comedy action type thing. If you know Edgar Wright's movie, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, uh, the world, uh, yeah. you know the style he's going for. And what did you think? Um, I don't know. It, it looked okay. It's not like something I'm going to go out of my way to see. I don't think. Yeah, but I don't know why. I mean, it, the trailer wasn't horrible, but it's just some. It's just like a hunch. Yeah, it looked a little cutesy. Uh, I, I thought it looked fun. The The trailer's not selling me on the movie. I do want to see the movie really bad just because it's Edgar Wright, which I know every movie geek in the world loves Edgar Wright. I'm not as high on him as a lot of people. I like The World's End more than most. I like Shaun of the Dead enough. Hot Fuzz, I think, is overrated. Scott Pilgrim's okay. But... uh he does make entertaining movies, and it premiered at South by Southwest last week, 
and got pretty good reviews out of there. It's like oh, okay. got like an eighty-one on Metacritic, which is pretty darn good. So, well, I gotta say, with all his movies, I was kind of like, eh, that doesn't look good. Doesn't look like something I'd like really care. And then I actually watch it and enjoy it. Yeah. So maybe it's a uh, par for the course. Yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely review it on here. So. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Next up, Atomic Blonde, which is an action movie, action spy movie, starring uh, Charlize Theron as a spy with action to herself. Uh, yeah. And basically, the trailer, it start. I love the way it started off, where it's like just oh, like, the style and all that. Yeah, it just played awesome. out like a scene, like for 30 second scene of her like kicking some ass and getting into this fight, but not being too good. And uh, I just thought this trailer was really fun. It looked pretty awesome. That name is horrible. Yeah. Terrible title for a movie. But it, this actually, when I you sent me the trailer name, I was like, God. But this does look like a ton of fun. Yeah. It looks kind of like John Wick style action without the guns. Um, I, there's, it seems like it's going to be heightened to a sense where like, Shows her hooking up with some chick, and uh, I don't know. It seems really stylized in a cool way. I like Charlize Theron as an action star, especially after Mad Max. Uh, yeah, I'm in. I'm definitely going to check this out. Yeah, definitely. Me too. I always forget we're supposed to give prejudgment scores to these things. Uh, yeah. Uh, Atomic Blonde, I'm going to say uh, a light eight. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, at seven and a half. Baby Driver, I'll say seven and a half. I think I'm gonna like it, but not love it. Um, six and a half on the trailer. All right, Wonder Woman, I'll say six and a half. Um, uh, yeah, I agree. Deadpool two, not really a trailer, but I'll be optimistic and say seven out of ten. Uh, yeah, seven sounds about right. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one. Rough Night. R-rated comedy, much in the stylings of Bad Moms and all these type of R-rated movies starring women that have been coming out lately, which I'm not opposed to, but it just doesn't seem like they write them. Uh, comedies in general have been weak, mainstream comedies. Yeah, uh, yeah for sure. And uh, yeah, this is Scarlett Johansson, Kate McKinnon. Uh, can't remember all the actresses' names, but looks like um, I don't know. It's a, the a bachelor bachelorette party, I guess, and they get a stripper and they accidentally kill him, and that's where the movie takes off. I mean, it looks like it could be funny. I don't know. It's hard to yeah. tell. It's really hard to it, tell from the trailer. It could be great, but I mean, I don't have the feeling that it will be. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I've, I showed it to my wife because I know she would enjoy it. So she'll want to watch it. We'll check it out. It could go either way. I could be see it being like the next Bridesmaids, or I could see it being the next Bad Moms. Yeah. Which both made good money, but Bad Moms was terrible, where Bridesmaids was pretty good. Uh, I will say though, Scarlett Johansson's haircut in this movie, four out of ten. <laughs> what is her haircut? I don't know. It just was not digging her haircut, and it's hard to make her 
not attractive. And is I, it from her other movie, The Ghost of the Shell, or is it different? It's short, but it's blonde. It's weird cut to it. I don't know. I'm not opposed to short hair, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I can't think of it now that you mentioned it. <laughs> Love Scarlett Johansson. It's hard for her to look bad. And I'm not saying she looked bad, but just not a fan of the haircut. But anyway, who cares? <laughs> we'll talk about Disney Pixar's next movie next to really switch gears hardcore. Uh, that's a baby driver reference. Switch gears. <laughs> Coco, which is a story. It's like a Latino story, a Mexican American. I don't straight Mexican. What is it? A uh, story based on like the Day of the Dead. It seems like where uh, you describe it. I got nothing. Yeah, I don't know. He's. It starts off with him playing the guitar Her? and kind of learning from girl. watching someone on TV. It's a girl, isn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> well, I, well, I didn't mean it like that. I just meant it in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Person. I was just starting to get second-guess myself. Yeah, I, I, I didn't really mean to say it like that. But <laughs> yeah. So she's, like, learning the guitar and getting better from watching, like, the people on TV. Uh, what? It's not mariachi, but I forget what the, that style of music's mm-hmm. called. Yeah. It's like folk music type thing Santana yeah well regardless yeah you know it's got that kind of vibe to it and then there's I forget why all the Day of the Dead stuff exactly starts happening no clue but I don't know it seems like his guitar or her guitar I apologize (laughs) um is like becomes magical or something and they I don't know. It looks awesome. <laughs> Jeez. I can't talk, man. It looks awesome. Uh, description not doing it much justice. No, I don't know it's... exactly how to explain it. It's going to be an amazing Pixar musical yeah. Day yeah. of the Dead kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah, it's more like I'm not even sure exactly what the movie's about, but the imagery by the end of at the end of the trailer, like the last 30 seconds was like awesome. It's, like, heartwarming at the same time as it looks, like, amazing. Yeah, it seems like they're going to knock this one out of the park. Um, take your kids. Take yeah. your grandma. Like, uh, yeah, it just looks beautiful. And it looks like it'll be touching. Yeah, probably shed a tear or two. Classic. I'll say eight and a half out of ten. Um, yeah, I'm right on the money with you. And lastly, Free Fire, which is by the director of one of my favorite movies of all time, Kill List. Um, of course, can't remember the director's name. That's pretty terrible. But uh, this is a star-studded affair here where it seems like an action comedy where you got Brie Larson. Um, can't remember anyone else, but definitely recognizable faces and names going on here. But it seems like they're all stuck in a warehouse and like try to kill each other, basically. <laughs> seems fun. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. It does look incredible, but it it looks like it'd be a fun watch. Yeah, I'll say seven and a half out of ten. I give it a seven. That movie sucked. Sucked. (laughs) All right, so that'll do it for this episode of the podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to submit your brackets, your March movie madness brackets. And um, 
Yeah, of course, you could always send us an email at the Redbox. Not the Redbox Report at Yahoo.com. Uh, <laughs> follow us on Twitter at the Redbox Report. I'm on Twitter at the Oriole Report. I'm on Twitter at Redbox Reporter. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes. Subscribe to our YouTube page. And as always, thanks for coming out. Check you later. Cool.